Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Merry Christmas, everyone. How are we going? We good? Excellent. Happy Boxing Day. Is that a thing? I don't know if you say that. Happy Boxing Day. I, said I just made that up. Excellent. I hope everyone had a good day yesterday. I hope yesterday was full of food and fun and family. Not necessarily in that order, but I hope you had a good time. Uh, my, Jan and I went down to my parents' place in the Gold Coast yesterday. And so my sisters were up from Sydney and Melbourne, respectively. So they've been locked down for quite some time, as you can imagine. So they were just keen to get out. And so it was a great day to spend time with them all day. Got down there early, got home late last night, and uh, were there with uh, Jane's uh, father as well, Hurdle, who's here, and Jane's sister and brother-in-law and their kids. And so had all these people in the house, and there's all these activities, cooking, lots of cooking going on. My dad does most of the cooking, which is great because he's a really great cook, so that really helps. I, I cooked the chicken. I didn't kill anybody, so it was awesome. The chicken, the chicken was really good, actually. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good. Uh, so I had a great day. Uh, so lots of, lots of presents and unwrapping presents and music and playing games and all that kind of stuff. And as much as we look forward to Christmas Day, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of planning that goes into Christmas Day, isn't there? There's a lot of organisation. Okay? I'm sure we all have good memories of Christmas Day, at least one good memory of Christmas Day, I hope, in your life. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. So we need to get up and get the girls going to the presents. Early up yesterday morning, thank you, Madeline. 5.30 was the time that she got up, opened her door, peeked into our room to see if we were up. And Jane's like, go back to bed. It's 5.30. So Maddie sneaks back to her room. So thank you, Madeline, for getting us up early yesterday morning. So get up, you do the presents. Then I have to cook breakfast. While I'm cooking breakfast, they have to get ready. They have to eat breakfast and get the car packed and get on the road, drive down to the Gold Coast, fight the M1 traffic, Christmas Day traffic, and we get there. So it's, it's very busy. Christmas Day is great, but it takes a lot of work. I love Christmas. I really do love Christmas. I love spending time with my family. We were there with them yesterday. They're coming up to my, our place today for lunch. And I'm going, we're going back down there tomorrow to say goodbye to them before they fly out because I haven't seen them for so long. And so I love my family and I love Christmas. But it seems a bit weird, doesn't it? That we are frantically rushing around to get this thing done just so we can do nothing. Like, we want to relax on Christmas Day, but to get to that point requires a lot of work. And you think, is it really worth all the work that we put in just so we can just relax? And so this morning, I want to talk about peace. I want to talk about peace this morning. It's the last Sunday of 2021. We're finishing off our Christmas series today. I'm going to talk about the star of peace. So this month, as we've looked at the rising star, the star of wonder, seeking the star. Jim talked about the original Star Trek on Friday. And so today, I'm going to talk about Star of peace. Because it's not just at Christmas time, God's word is full of ways to describe Jesus. There's different ways to describe Jesus. Isaiah calls him wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, and of course, prince of peace. Prince of peace. And so we're going to close this series today looking at the star of peace. And so we're going to look at our scripture. We've been looking at the scripture for a few weeks now. So the last time we were looking at Matthew 2, I'm going, to finish, I'm going to take off where Jim finished off on Friday. Matthew 2, 
verse 9. So after they, they, of course, is the wise men. The wise men came to see Herod to find out exactly where Jesus was going to be born. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you we can come into your house. Thank you we can come for your presence. Together as a church family, we can come and hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. That we would ask the question, each of us, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me this morning? Let us be open. Challenge us, teach us, God, this morning. Not my words, but your words will be spoken. And they will give life and peace to all who hear them. Thank you, Jesus, for all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The question I have to ask first is, what is peace? We're going to talk about peace, so let's define peace. What is peace? I think we could define peace in many different ways. If I took a cross-section of people in this room and asked them, what does peace mean to you? I would get a lot of different answers, yes? And they would all be right, because peace is what is peace to you. When I was younger, I probably would have defined peace as the absence of war or the absence of conflict. But as I'm older, I understand that that definition leaves a lot undefined. Although there are many ways to describe peace or define peace, for this morning's purposes, I want to divide peace into two categories, and that is godly peace versus worldly peace. Two different kinds of peace. Worldly peace remains a subjective, fluid concept, defined differently by people based on their experiences. Whereas I think godly peace is not quite so. It's not quite that. Worldly peace doesn't last, but godly peace is always available. Godly peace is eternal. Worldly peace is temporary. It does not last. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we have access to a peace that others do not have access to. A peace based on faith and trust in a loving God. Any peace we find in this world will not last and is in flux as we go through the ups and downs, highs and lows of life. In simple terms, I'm going to define peace as a state of wholeness, being complete. That's a nice thing. That sounds nice, doesn't it? It's nice to feel whole, to feel complete. You know, this lacking nothing, you need nothing else, that you are complete. That feels nice. That sounds nice. But the world can't give you this state of being permanently. It can't. And I think godly peace is this same sense of wholeness, being complete, but it's also a sense of contentment. There's contentment because you know that God is in control and I surrender to his will. You surrender to his will knowing that he has got everything in hand. And so you're content. Not contentment as in you're going to rest on your laurels and do nothing. Contentment that is you are safe in God's hands. And you go, I trust God to do what he's going to do. That's what peace is. That's what godly peace is. It's being content with God, where God has placed me in life, where he's leading me through life. I recognize that he is in control. I surrender to his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Having this peace ensures that we're able to withstand 
all situations. So this morning I want to talk about a peace in all circumstances. So we're going to talk about this morning, a peace in all circumstances. And we're going to use the Christmas story to flesh out this concept. Because as we see at the first Christmas, this concept of godly peace emerges. It's a theme amongst all the players in what we know as the nativity story. Familiar characters to us, familiar people to us. Because godly peace is a peace in all circumstances. And so I want to start, of course, with Mary and Joseph. So the first time we see this peace emerge is Mary and Joseph. And that occurs far earlier than the Christmas story. Obviously the nativity and Bethlehem and the animals and the manger, all that stuff. Godly peace first emerges months earlier. Because Mary and Joseph both individually and together found godly peace in their situation. Think about it. Mary is a young teenage girl. She's visited by an angel, told that she'll be pregnant, and she's going to give birth to the Messiah. That's a lot to take in if you're a teenage girl. It's not taking in if you're anybody, really. An unmarried, yet betrothed young girl, now pregnant, having to tell her future husband that she's pregnant, and her only story, excuse, reason, whatever you want to call it, involves angels, the Holy Spirit, and the Messiah. I don't think Joseph was particularly convinced when he heard it the first time. I remember a long time ago that we put on a church play, long before this building, I think it was 2007, I don't know, 2007 I think it was, that's a long time ago, and we put on a full two-hour production. I'm talking about we took photos for advertising, put them in the paper, like promotions, everything, the whole thing, two-hour production. I was Joseph and Jackie was Mary. And uh, it was a great time, it was a lot of work. But I remember this scene, and I had to storm into my workshop, because I'm a carpenter, and Joseph is a carpenter, had to storm into my workshop and take off my apron angrily. That's a very awkward thing to do. Okay, when you've got a microphone, it's very awkward. Take your microphone off, uh, apron off angrily. I had to come in, I had to kick a chair, and I had to yell at God on stage. I was at the front of the stage, and the crowd's there, and I'm yelling at God. Okay, it was very intense. It was very dramatic. And at the time, I thought, wow, okay, this is, this is full on. But looking back, I think that's kind of how it would have actually been. I think sometimes when we read the Christmas story, or any story in the Bible, we forget that these people were real people and had real human emotions, real human reactions to things. I mean, if you were married, you're going to get married, and they told you that they were pregnant, okay, you think you were cheated on, right? That makes sense, okay? And so you think that's what Joseph would have thought. That's what they would have dealt with. Mary would have faced exclusion. Joseph rejecting her, the shame she would have brought onto her family in that culture, Joseph felt betrayed, cheated on, the embarrassment and the shame for his family would have been a lot of doubt and a lot of confusion. But in their circumstance, they found peace. They found peace. They found peace in uncertainty. Mary and Joseph did have the advantage. They had the advantage of angels physically coming to visit them and explain what was going on. But still, they must have had this overwhelming sense of uncertainty about the future. Because if it's all true, you're going to raise the Messiah, the promised one of God, who's been foretold for hundreds of years, thousands of years, the Messiah is coming. And it's your job to raise them. Don't stuff it up. Okay? okay none of my children are promised Messiahs, but if God had come and told me instead that one of my girls is going to go on to do this great thing, 
I would spend my whole life worried that I was stuffing them up, that I was doing something wrong. I would second-guess every decision I make about where I send them to school, how I raise them, all sorts of things. So I'm sure Mary and Joseph faced this uncertainty about what they were going to do, what was going to happen to them. The truth is we all face uncertainty in life. We are all uncertain about our future. We don't know what's going to happen next. The decisions we have to make, the future for our loved ones. Uncertainty is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. But so is his peace if we surrender to him. His peace is also guaranteed to us if we believe. John 16, 33 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus promises us that life is going to be full of trials and sorrows. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Excellent. I guess gift giving was finished for the day. There's trials and sorrows on their way. Excellent. Let's say so you know. But he tells us that, so we're forewarned, but then he tells us that you can have peace in me because I have overcome the world. Anything the world throws at you, I have already overcome it. He has overcome the world. Whatever sorrow or sadness or trials or tests that come our way, and they will come away for each one of us here, the only way we can find peace through those trials is to trust in Jesus because he has overcome. We already have victory over uncertainty. We have victory over uncertainty already if you surrender to him. So Mary and Joseph show us uncertainty and peace through uncertainty. The second people I want to talk about are the shepherds. The shepherds. Now I know in Matthew 2 doesn't mention the shepherds. I understand that. Shepherds aren't talked about in Matthew. They're talked about in the Gospel of Luke. Luke talks about the shepherds. And the shepherds didn't face any great uncertainty in life like Mary and Joseph did. They were just doing, out what, doing what shepherds do. They're on the hills, they're sleeping with their sheep, looking after their sheep. That's what shepherds did. For the shepherds, it wasn't overcoming the, the trials of life. For the shepherds, it was the message of peace given to them. They were given a message of peace. They were the chosen recipients by God for his message of peace. Angels visited Mary and Joseph many months earlier. And when Jesus is born, who do the angels appear to first? Shepherds, the lowliest people of society who sleep with their sheep. Shepherds, that's who God speaks to first. And so in the shepherds, we see a very profound truth about God's peace, that it's available to everyone. Everyone gets to have God's peace. Peace available to, for everyone. Everybody in this room has access to godly peace. His peace is readily available to all who accept it. Luke 2.14 says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So you've got the shepherds on the hill, then the sheep, the angels appear in the sky, dazzling lights, and they say lots of things, and they finish with this. They say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So his peace is freely given to those with whom God is pleased. 
So therefore, the question must be asked, how do we please God? If it's freely available to whom God is pleased, how do we please God? By placing our faith in him. Belief. That's how we please God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith. Faith is the key. We must believe in him. And a reward awaits those who sincerely seek him. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. A reward such as godly peace. Godly peace. A peace that transcends our situations. A peace that overcomes our circumstance. His people is given to everybody regardless of their station in life. It was the shepherds who received the message first. And then they went out and they shared the message of the angels and everyone was amazed when they heard. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself, your self-worth, if you think you're important enough in the world or in your life. It doesn't matter because godly peace is available to you regardless of what you think about yourself. If you believe in Jesus, you can have godly peace. So we have peace for uncertainty. We have peace available to everyone. And so thirdly, we're going to look at the wise men, not the wise guys, as Roger always says, wise guys, the wise men. So many months after the birth of Jesus has gone, and Jesus is like, say, I don't know how tall he was, that'll do. We see the arrival of the wise men on the scene, the magi. And they've been following a star that appeared out of nowhere, this new star. And for these magi who study the skies for, for meaning and understanding, the appearance of a new star would have not only been confusing, but unexplainable. How is this possible? How could this happen? And then as we see in Matthew 2, that this star rose ahead of them and it stopped over the place where Jesus was. In case you didn't realize, stars don't do that. Okay? Stars don't rise out and then stop over a certain place. That's not what stars do. And when they found the star, they were overjoyed. So Matthew 2 says, overjoyed. This star had done something unheard of, very unstar-like behavior. Okay? And their primary emotion wasn't wonder. It wasn't trying to figure out what had happened. It was joy that led to worship. There was this sense of within them of this joy. Overjoyed they were that they worshipped the baby Jesus. Despite the fact that this star had done something completely unexplainable. Their primary emotion was joy. It sounds a lot like peace, doesn't it? A sense of joy giving away to gratitude. Despite the mysterious events that led them to Jesus, a star that does things that cannot be explained, it is peace that comes to the fore. It's peace that emerges. Peace for the unexplainable. Just as life is full of trials and tests, life is also full of the unexplainable. When I was writing this, when I typed my sermons, I have uh, had the thesaurus open on Microsoft Word, you know, and I come across the word, I'm like, I like the word, I go shift F7, and it comes up with a list of synonyms, and I'm like, that's better, I'll choose that one and put that there. That's how I write my sermons. And I thought when I put it unexplainable in, I thought, what's another word for unexplainable? Put up, and inexplicable came up, and I thought, that sounds nicer, inexplicable, because in my head, they were the same thing. But you know, unexplainable and inexplicable are not the same. They don't mean exactly the same thing. 
unexplainable. If something is unexplainable, it means that you can't explain it. But that doesn't mean there isn't an explanation. Did you get that? So you don't know what the explanation is, but that doesn't mean there isn't an explanation. That's something that's unexplainable. Something that's inexplicable has no explanation. That's, that's the technical difference. It's very small, but it's technical, isn't there? So the events that led the Magi to Jesus may seem inexplicable, but we know that they're not. They can't see the explanation, but we can. There was an explanation. God had led them where they needed to be. It was simply an explanation that the Magi could not comprehend of. They could not understand what was happening. We face the exact same situations in life. Every one of us. Trials and tests and sorrows and occurrences and situations in life that we simply have no answer for. We can't explain them. We don't know why it happened or why it's happening, what's going to come out of it. We don't know. We can't comprehend of what is going on. Does that make them inexplicable? No. It makes them unexplainable for us. We can't comprehend of why, but we have peace because we know God is in control and we trust and we surrender to his will. God knows what he's doing, even when you have no idea, when I have no idea. We have peace for the unexplainable. Philippians 4 says it like this. This is Paul writing. He says this, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace exceeds anything we can understand. No matter how smart you think you are. I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but there's some things I don't understand. It's okay because his peace exceeds anything we can understand. His peace guards our hearts and minds. So the question is, what can we do then? Is that when we sit back and do nothing? I have a problem with that. I'm a, I'm a person who likes to fix things. Who, who's like me? Who, who likes to understand things? I, I have to have an explanation. When I don't understand something, I have to research, understand, and find out why this happens this way. It bugs me. I'm a curious person. I can't just sit back and do nothing. It's really, really hard. And so this concept of peace, the unexplainable, is really hard for me personally because I like to know. I hate not knowing things. So what do we do then? Do we do nothing then? We notice this verse begins with a then. Then you will experience God's peace. So what comes before the then? Verse 6 of Philippians 4 gives us the instruction. And he simply says this, Do not worry and pray about everything. Tell God your needs and give him thanks. Then you'll experience God's peace. Our job is to pray about everything. Tell God what your need is. And then thank him for everything that you have and everything that he is going to do. When you do that, then peace will come. Surrender. Surrender to him. Give it over to him. Humble yourself before him. And his peace will guard you. It will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. So we have peace for the uncertain. We have peace for everyone. We have peace for the unexplainable. 
And the last person I want to talk about is Herod, of course. Herod. We've seen what this piece can do. We've seen who this piece is for. But in Herod, we see something completely different, something else entirely. Because we know that Herod tried to formulate a plan to kill Jesus. Why did he do that? Well, Pastor Pavey spoke so well about Herod. She was very pleased to get Herod to talk about. But she spoke so well. And she explained something very simply, that Herod was only concerned with one thing. He was concerned with one thing, and that was position. His position in society. He wanted to remain in power, and he sought to remove any threat to his position. Here's the thing. Herod received the same information that the wise men received. They came to him. And he sought the teachers of the law and the experts and the advisors. And they came and said, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. That's what the scripture says. He knew everything that the wise men said. And when Jim spoke about this very thing on Friday, my sermon was written before them. When he said this, I'm like, yes. Jim's like, I'm baffled. Baffled, he said. Why didn't they follow the wise men to find the Messiah? They knew everything they did. The wise men went to find Jesus. What did Herod do? Planned to kill Jesus. They knew everything. They had the star, the sign, the location, confirmation from Scripture, the Messiah is coming, and yet Herod finds no peace. No peace. He only finds paranoia. He found no peace. What do we learn? Peace can be rejected. Peace can be rejected. Herod had all the same opportunities that the wise men had to find the Messiah, the promised one. But instead he chose to reject God's peace. Instead he maneuvered to eliminate the Messiah and he sought peace in his position. He sought peace in power. God offers his peace to everyone, but not everyone will accept it because they will choose not to believe. Herod chose not to believe. We can also reject his peace in our situations. We trust in our own strength. We trust in our skills and our abilities, in our reasoning. Trust in our intelligence and our excuses. But when things become uncertain, when things become unexplainable, if we have found peace in the wrong place, we end up in turmoil. Because the peace that lasts, the peace that is eternal, is only given by one. It's only found in one. And John 14 says, so what Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. So more gifts at Christmas time. Excellent. Okay? More gifts. Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Only Jesus can give the gift of peace. Only Jesus. And he gives it freely. He tells us not to be troubled. Don't be afraid because I give you peace. He gives us what the world cannot give us. It protects our mind and our heart. His peace stops us from giving in to our fear, giving in to our emotions which would lead us astray. Emotions sway back and forth. What does the word say? Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We sway back and forth. His peace offers us protection from catastrophizing every situation that comes upon us. 
We think it's going to end up in the worst, place, worst case scenario, that we can never get back to how it was before. It's all falling apart. His peace lets us rest in the knowledge that he is in control. He is in control. And we can surrender to his will knowing that he loves us. We don't have to allow our emotions to direct us. We can be protected, guard our heart, guard our mind because of Jesus. We started this series based on the word in Revelation where it says that Jesus is our bright and morning star. He is our bright and morning star. And from there we've talked about the rising star, the star of wonder, seeking the star, Star Trek, and now the star of peace. What I like about the title, The Bright and Morning Star, is it's a title that Jesus gives himself. He calls himself the bright and morning star. In Revelation 2, 16, he says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Jesus calls himself both the source of David and his heir, and he is the bright morning star. He declares himself as both the source of life and the fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. He is both. David, King David, was promised that one of his offspring, one of his family would always remain on the throne, on the throne forever. And Jesus is a fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is that one who is king forever. Jesus' statement in Revelation, what he says here, is also a reference to a prophecy made by Balaam. You know the guy with the donkey? Balaam? In Numbers 24, Balaam said this. God gave him this prophecy. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. That was the prophecy. Jesus is not only king, as represented by the scepter. He is also our source of hope. A star to follow. The morning star is the one that appears on the dawn before the sun gets up. It's not actually a star. It's the planet Venus. That's okay. That's not important. What's important is that it's there. And Jesus describes himself as the bright morning star. He's putting himself in the position of the one we should look to first. First. Before anything clouds our vision. Before the sun gets up and it's too bright to see anything else. Jesus puts himself in the position of the one we should go to first the one we should follow, the one we should take direction from because he is our source of life and peace. Peace is only found in Jesus. Do not be mistaken. There is only one source of life, of hope, of joy, of peace that overcomes and is eternal and his name is Jesus. The one who is worth the uncertainty, the unknown, the one who was given the message of everybody, the one who remains throughout despite the inexplicable or the explainable, the uncertain. He's the one who remains. The one who can give peace to all who believe in him and don't reject him. The one who made a way for us so we can have a right relationship with our creator. When there was no other way, Jesus made a way. God made a way through Jesus. In Jesus, you can find salvation, a peace that overcomes all our circumstances. I want to finish there with one final verse, Romans 
Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Jesus made the way so we can have peace with God. So when we have peace with God, we can have peace from God. When we have peace with God, we can have peace from God. We have peace because of Jesus and we'll only ever find peace in Jesus. As we close out another Christmas season, we close out another year, my question to you is where will you find your peace in 2022? Where will you find your peace? We know the trials will come. Jesus promised us that. Circumstances, situations, occurrences are going to happen in your life that you're not going to be ready for. They're going to be unexplainable. They're going to cause uncertainty. They're coming. But we also know that God gives us everlasting peace. That peace is available to everyone if we believe, if we surrender to him. I want you to stand this morning as the musicians come. And we're going to pray for the last time as a church in 2021. And we're going to pray for peace for those times when they come. So if you close your eyes, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray together as a church. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you made a way for us where there was no way that you made a way that we could have peace with you, Lord. That the bridge, that the gap could be bridged. We could know you and have a right relationship with you. And when we have peace with you, we know that we have access to peace from you. Lord, I pray for everybody here. I pray, Lord, that as they close out this year, and it's it's been a year of uncertainty. As people look forward to 2022 with hope and anticipation, Maybe hesitancy, uncertainty. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would know that we can have peace from you. And it's a peace that surpasses our understanding. It's a peace that is greater than our confusion or doubt. It's a peace that offers us protection, that guards our hearts and our minds. We don't have to give in to our emotions. We don't have to give in to that which would consume us. But instead, we can stop. And we can come and pray and give everything over to you. Tell you our needs. Give thanks for everything that we have and everything that you're doing. When we do that, we know that peace will come. That peace will come. This overwhelming sense of wholeness, completeness and contentment because we trust in you, Lord. We trust in you and we surrender to your will. Pray for every single person here that when they come across that situation, that circumstance, that uncertainty, that unexplainable thing, that they would stop and they would say, God, give me your peace in this situation. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand what's going on, but God, I know that you are there and I know that you will carry me through. Every single person here, I pray that you would give them your peace, that they would believe, that they would trust in you wholeheartedly. Lord, I pray for anybody here, anybody watching at home who has yet to give their life to you, that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Lord, I pray for them that they would know that it's really, really simple. 
that they would know that you love them, that you want the very best for them, that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. And all they need to do is come to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry for living my life my own way. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. I trust in you. I surrender to your will. And if they do that, they become part of your family forever and ever. Everlasting. Everlasting. Forever and ever. And they can have access to everlasting love and everlasting peace for every circumstance. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for 2021. Despite its ups and downs, we thank you for the good things that you have done. We thank you and we worship you for you are good. You are a good God. And we believe in you. We trust in you. And because we trust in you, you give us your peace. Let us walk out of here full of peace, full of hope, and full of joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.